Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome to the last word on Spurs. We do hope you're keeping very, very safe and well. Thank you ever so much for joining us. Here we are a week after the season has finished and was due to be back with you with an extensive season review, which given this morning's momentum has completely overtaken what's to come. Spurs on the verge of appointing yet another new manager in Ange Postacoglu and also Harry Kane's future very much up in the air. I think for all of our wonderful, loyal viewers and listeners, the season review that you oh so craved, I'm sure, will probably be cut short for all of your benefit. We're joined by a wonderful, great returning regular panellist here to the last one on Spurs. Let's hello to the wonderful guys that have given up their time for this show and one is still to come. Back on last one on Spurs, a man that's been with us through some difficult, difficult moments this season, but he's here. We've got the wonderful Ricky J. Norwood back on the show. Ricks, how are you, bud? You okay? I'm okay, my friend. The sun is shining. The weather is sweet. What, what more could you want apart from some Tottenham news? <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready. It's great to be here and the season is done. And, and, and let's look forward. Let's see what the future holds. And uh, yeah, I'm really excited to be on the show with you and all the lads. I'm excited to see Costa as well. Well done for the charity match the other day, my friend. Well done to you. And what a great cause for Dukesy as well, bruv. So I'm looking forward to hearing some stories about that too. And great to be on with everybody else. Let's have it. Let's have it. Likewise. A man that is uh, comes from a remote location, bless him, overseas. The man is always somewhere. He actually done the double during the week. Thank God someone's winning trophies on this show. We've got the wonderful, crazy training instructor, conductor, about yet to bring in yet another manager and discuss him as well. We've got the wonderful Lee McQueen is back. Maka, how are you, bud? Rickstar, how are you getting on, boys, viewers, listeners? I am. I am in, oh, I can't say sunny today because it's actually overcast. Well, I'm in Austin, in Texas. Yeehaw. Austin Spurs, big shout out to you. You know who you are. Um, and yeah, thanks for bringing it up. My business, Phoenix 51, a data-driven business, by the way. So Tottenham Hotspur, if you, if you are looking for data-driven, come and talk to me. Um, yeah, we won the double, um, which was an amazing, uh, amazing achievement for us. Uh, started, uh, obviously, our, our tech startup in the global pandemic and then uh, won, uh, won a couple of trophies, as you said, Rick. And uh, we're up for a few more by the end of this month as well. So hopefully we'll do a bit of a clean sweep, a little bit like uh, Ange 
Pasta Lovely <laughs> every time I say that for the rest of the season, um, having, having he's just done the treble. So we'll have to, uh, we're, I'm sure we're going to get into what, what, what the state of Tottenham Hotspur Football Club is, but uh, it is an absolute pleasure to be on with you guys. And of course, uh, Jace, when he, uh, when he walks up as well. So thanks for having me back on, mate. Yeah, absolutely. Back as well on this show. Delighted to have him here. We've got the wonderful Anthony Costas back from Blues. Very own Ant. How are you, you mate? Another another manager, mate, you're overseeing on this show. God. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> can you, Lee, I, I love you, mate, but can you give them a rules to Harry? So it's just to say, like, to not leave Tottenham. Just so he can put it in his house. Now, listen, it's good to be on, boys. Um, lovely to see you all. And can't wait to get talk about all things Spurs. Um, yeah. Mr. Poster Gloglu. Yeah, Angelos Poster Gloglu. That's his name. He's one of my arms. <laughs> if there's anyone that's going to be able to understand a bit more of that, it's going to be the Ricky Sachs and the Anthony Costa. You can't make it up, can you? Married to a Greek over, over five years. It was at some point going to come full circle. We end up having a Greek in charge. You just can't make it. Ricks will definitely relate to that as well. Bless him. Frank, love to have you back on last one on Spurs, mate. When we obviously got in contact with you, it was a season review. That has now slightly changed due to the nature of the last 24 hours. Frank, you look excited. Are you excited? <laughs> yeah, well, we're obviously going to go through the thick of it, but a lot has changed uh, as it does so often and far too often in recent times at this club. But um, yeah, it's been a good day. I've uh, been eating Vegemite, watching Neighbours reruns, listening to <laughs> in preparation for the uh, the appointment. No, that's so stereotypical. Uh, we'll, we'll obviously get into it, but um, yeah, it's... Uh, it's interesting times at Spurs at the moment, and I think tomorrow we'll probably get the news because it seems all the uh, the sort of pre-media outlets, I call pre-media, see if Fabrizio's who get it before the mainstream media, put it out there, Ornstein, have all uh, confirmed that this is our next manager. So obviously we'll go straight into it after the hopefully very short and brief season review. Lee, let's kick things off with you for this season review as we quickly try and navigate our way through so we can discuss potentially Tottenham Hotspur's new manager, it was a season that promised so much for Tottenham following the positive end to last season, yet it was anything but with a culmination of factors contributing to a real slog of a campaign and having crashed out of all three cups in once again disappointing fashion. Spurs, of course, also failing to qualify for Europe for the first time in 13 years in a campaign that descended into real utter chaos in which, again, it feels like the club faced yet another major rebuild as we know they look to turn to and Postacoglu to potentially solve that. There was so much optimism going into the season, given how things ended of 21-22 under Antonio Conte. Of course, claiming fourth place at the expense of Arsenal. And that really set the groundwork early on for Spurs to start building that ideal squad for Antonio Conte in his first full season in charge. Spurs bolstered their options by making six signings to lay down a marker to the sides around them. There was a mix of Premier League proven and experienced players with Ivan Perisic coming through the door on a free Richarlison in a 60 million deal. Eve Basuma joined for 35 million. Goalkeeper Fraser Forster came in, as well as English youngster Jed Spence. And so did Barcelona centre back Clement Longley on loan, along with promising win back Destiny Aduji, who was loaned back to Udinese for the season, while Christian Romero's loan from Atalanta was made permanent. I think it was fair to say there was real optimism around the camp that after spending well over 100 million for this latest set of players, this was the opportunity to really end that barren run of silverware. 
And Conte had talked about the fact there was a need to rebuild the club for the long time. And there was hope that well, would actually lead that way. We saw a whole host of names go out the door. Tungi and Dombele, Steven Bergvine, Giovanni Lo Celso were cut from the ranks, mostly on loan. But Lee, looking back now, just would love to get your thoughts on what you made at that time over the summer and whether you felt that real genuine optimism heading into the previous season now. Right. I mean, as you're just going through that, it feels like it was about three seasons ago, didn't it? That, that does not feel like it was this season. It, it just, that's mental. Like, it's craziness. Crazy train. Um, but also, as well, we did have a big say in the title race. We rolled over for Arsenal twice to give them six points. So that was a big say, wasn't it? Do you know what I mean? And I know we're watching and listening. You can't be losing to Arsenal at home. Don't care how, te- how bad our team is. You can't be doing that. Uh, but we did. Um, yeah, it's just it's just weird. We had our best ever start to a Premier League season. We, I think we had 23 points after 10 games. Uh, 2.3 points per game, obviously, um, which is the, the highest and best Premier League start ever. Um, for Tottenham Hotspur Football Club, and then fast forward to the end of the season, and we've uh, we've we've given away more goals than any other Premier League uh, Tottenham team in in 32 years. I think we conceded 63 goals. And one of the comments I didn't catch your name, sorry, buddy, but one of the comments just said, "I love Ange, but we're going to have to get some reinforcements in defence because he plays so high up attacking football." I, I mean, we conceded 63 goals this season in the Premier League. What we're going to do with Ange? So I think, you know, from a summary perspective, I know you want to get on to Andy in a bit, right? But we're, in, in, in a summary point of view, massively disappointing for our season. Um, when I think there was in the green room at one of our shows, certainly on our WhatsApp group, we talked about what our expectations is after that first 10 games. And it wasn't really about we're going to win the title, but it was much, much around we have to be our biggest ever points total. That has to be, a, and I remember Jason and I having a really good conversation about it. It's going, look, if we've got 23 points after 10 games, we're right on track here to be beating 86. And we, I mean, what did we get? We got, we got 60. We had, we had a 22-point swing from Arsenal um, from the season before, 20, in one season. So this is this is what makes me laugh when Antonio Conte was coming out in press conferences constantly, by the way, saying, we can't do this, we won't be able to do that, it's a miracle if we can do this. We can't. A very negative connotation comments, right? And he was saying, you, you don't get a 20-point swing or 15-point... No, you do, because Liverpool done it a few years ago, as I keep banging the drum about, and everybody got behind them and look what happened to them. And, and Arsenal just done it to us, 22-point swing. So... The general feeling going into the season with that transfer window, with everyone puking at the side of the pitch in their pre-season and everyone really fit and Eric Dyer looking ripped like a machine and the cheese board that is Perisic and as Crackers named him. And, you know, we were massively fit. Best start to a Premier League season. You're thinking, here we go. But, you know, I have to say, and I have to put on record, I know we've talked about this a lot on the show, but circumstances did make a, di- a difference, you know, L- losing uh, uh, Jean-Pierre Vitrone uh, it, it w- was huge. And and, and then uh, Viali for, for Antonio Conte. And that, that period of time running up to the World Cup, it was really, really tough. And But having said all of that, we were still in, I think, top four, I think, maybe even top three, going into that World yeah. Cup scenario. And, yep. and we should have come back better. And it was the decisions, in my opinion, and I know it's your opinion, Ricky, as well, of the club, whereby we still got Harry Kane, didn't sort his contract out free then. And Chano Conti is going to stay. Is he not going to stay? Nothing was on their contract. And we've subsequently heard that Daniel Levy didn't want to rock the boat or, or poke the nest with Conte. But that, that 
contract situation with Conte should have been sorted during the World Cup. For us to come back, and then Decky's injured, then Benton Kerr, and it was just a, it was just a spiral out of control, wasn't it, Rick? And and it has spiraled completely out of control. And as we talked today, seventy days is today since Antonio Conte was was sacked or mutually agreed to terminate his contract on March the twenty seventh. Today is the seventieth day, and we still don't have a manager. And we do love a record, Spurs. We're only two days away from another one. Ricks, steering the show over to you. It's barely believable now to think, but Tottenham were unbeaten in those first seven league games and lost only, and it never can be only, to Arsenal in their first 10. It did coincide with Tottenham Hotspur's best ever start to a Premier League season. And Spurs on that opening day were in dreamland. They picked up where they left off with a 4-1 demolition of Southampton, which sent Spurs to the very, very top of the Premier League, albeit temporary. But game two was a game in which we saw fireworks really emerge for Antonio Conte. Chelsea away, Stanford Bridge. Of course, it was the Battle of the Bridge Part 2 with Thomas Tuchel following a fiery 2-2 draw, seeing red for his troubles. A game that really set the tone for both clubs with chaos the prevailing vibe, that's for sure. And then we saw once again flared tempers had calmed and attention soon to be on the field for Conte's revolution with Spurs picking up 23 points from their opening 10 games of the season including a seven match unbeaten streak as I referred to there with that only one loss against Arsenal it was our best ever start to a season for 59 years so really intrigued Rick to get to go back now in time and think about how you felt at the start of the season and how Spurs made you feel on that really decent start to the campaign. My prediction for that season going into it is that we was going to be second at a minimum. Do you know what I mean? And yes, that was overly optimistic and <laughs> overly enthusiastic about what was happening. But I was, I, I, I started to buy into the, the, the change and that kind of uh, message that was being put out by the club about the change. You know, if we're going to go for this win now, manager, we're going to give, give him the players that he wants. We're going to give him them early. You know, we start with that 4-1 against Southampton and then we have the best, as as Lee just said, rightly so, there, our best points total. Now, we, we know, watching it as fans, that we were the first half or a second half team in, in, in that run-up. And I always believed that we was just a moment away from clicking and then going on and going on a, a big run and, and going on the kind of run that, that Demlock down the road did this season, you know, and at least competing, at least challenging. Um, so my, enthusias- uh, my enthusiasm and my optimism for the season was very high going into it. Uh, first time that we spent money, I say spent money, but made signings on the, the opening couple of days of the transfer window. I thought there was more to come. Um, And I think we all said it on this panel as well. We all wanted more from that summer window. We all wanted the the big money uh, left centre-back, whether that be Bastoni or anyone else. Bastoni, Um, Bastoni. I know, I know. We should have done it. Should have done it when we had the opportunity. But this is what we are. This is what happens. Do you know what I mean? And where would we have been if we actually went out and kind of got that business done in the summer? Maybe we'll be in a different place. But, yeah, going right up into the World Cup, I was, um, you know, I, I was happy with the points total. I was happy with um, us climbing the table. And I thought, I thought that we were just a moment away from clicking and then actually playing the football that we ended the season with that got us top four last, last, uh, last season or the season before now. Um, so, yeah, so, you know, going into that World Cup, mate, I, I was like... This is definitely an opportunity to get the cane deal done 
um, to get the Conte deal done and to start building on the foundations that were put in. Obviously, that didn't happen. Frank, coming over to you. In that sequence we just spoke to Ricky about there, we saw a solitary cane effort at Brighton, saw the England captain become the first ever player to score 100 Premier League goals away, and he dedicated that late strike to fitness coach Gian-Pierre Vincioni, who unfortunately suddenly died at the age of 62, only a couple of days beforehand. And at this time, Spurs actually were largely struggling to make waves in that Champions League group. They won just two of their opening five group games, along with being denied a last gasp winner at home to Sporting. Landing Conti on the naughty step once again for yet another explosion of emotion. However, with Christian Cellini on the touchline, a dramatic Pierre-Emile Hoybier strike put Marseille to the sword on the final match day to send Spurs through as group winners. And equally tense comebacks over Bournemouth and Leeds came either side of that success in France, as did more knockout heartbreak for Tottenham in the third round of the EFL Cup exit to Nottingham Forest. I just wonder, Frank, looking back now, whether that exit to Forest and the way Spurs were playing around that time, we mentioned, of course, the Leeds, the Bournemouth games, whether you just saw there, you know, partly the cracks beginning to form in this Spurs side and how that season did start to unfortunately unravel. Unfortunately, and again, the expectation after the Norwich game, and I mentioned off air, this time last year, doing the show, the optimism going into the season was was huge. Expectations were high. We made uh, some, some decent signings, but the, the centre-back issue is, is, is become ridiculous now because if you remember rightly, Jose Mourinho wanted a marquee centre-back signing and got Joe Roden. Uh, there was the... Steve Hitchin incident of going to Italy or Milan to, to get uh, skin run, came back with a pizza. Um, bit of a laughing stock, unfortunately, because of um, we didn't get that centre-back at that time. So the, I believe the last centre-back we signed is Joe Rogan. Uh, Joe Rogan, Joe Rogan. Prior to that, Davinson Sanchez. So we've been left stale in that part of the fence. And it happened again this summer. Now, I understand Bastoni probably didn't want to come. Um, he's had a stellar season at Inter there in the Champions League final. But there wasn't a contingency plan. And I'm not sure if that was Conte or that was the club. Did Conte not have a, a secondary target? Was he waiting? Um, we, we'll never know, I don't think. But to, to go into that season with one loan signing at centre-back, was that, that's the first sort of sign of danger for me because we, we all felt and we all knew that we needed that marquee centre-back to, to play over Romero. And obviously, with playing three at the back, it was even more apparent that we needed another centre-half. Um, so when the cracks started to appear, if you think... Again, going back to the expectation that the record of Conte's first four seasons in, in charge at clubs, that lifted expectation as well. We, we were discussing the fact that this is his first full season at Spurs. He's got an unbelievable record when he has that full season in charge. And I think the crack started to appear when um, he lost his dear friend. And, and again, only at Spurs could we lose during the season um, a, a member of the first team coaching staff. I, I can't remember. Has that happened to another Premier League club before? If they lost a, a direct first, you know, not one on the periphery, some of the one of the, the the main core first team staff. Has that ever happened to another Premier League club, Rick? I don't think it has. That for me, obviously, that's so hard to get over. This is a guy that coached Conte when he played for Juventus, so he's known him for thirty plus years. Um, and and however strong you are, whatever character you are, that has to have an impact on your decision making. Um, you know, clarity of thought, all of that stuff goes out the window when, when you, you, you're you operating on emotion. And for the whole squad as well, I mean, that is such a downer. That's such a negative to, to go through that and the funeral and, and all that goes with it. Um, but then, yeah, off the back of a record start, that 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 was, for me, the first crack, Rick, 
Um, then it was the injuries, obviously, Richarlison. Kulisevsky has not been the same since the injury. Uh, Basuma, it, it seemed that there was a legacy problem from Brighton. And there was rumours, if you remember, we discussed that. Ant and I, we, we'd heard a story that he was injured when he signed. So hopefully that's cleared up and we'll get the best of Basuma next season. And then Bentacor does his ACL. And, and, and these continuous effects of... And adding the World Cup, um, you look at the, the, the amount of players we had at the World Cup. You, you look at Liverpool, for instance. I know they didn't necessarily have a, a stellar season, but Salah didn't go to the World Cup. Um, uh, Trent didn't play at the World Cup, did he? Alisson, uh, uh, did Alisson play? For, no, he played one game for Brazil. Um, so so that many of their key players didn't play at the World Cup. Um, City have just got the monster squad. You look at Arsenal, Saka played. He's who's got injured at the World Cup, didn't really play or feature. Ben White didn't feature. Uh, Saliba didn't play. I think he played half an hour. Um, Zaka played three games. I think Party played two games. He was injured for the last one. So for, for me, how absorbing that was for us as a squad, we had many of our key key sort of first team players, all, you know, all at the World Cup, Benson Core included, who then came back and done the ACL. It was just uh, the perfect storm. All of these things that just kept going against us throughout the season. And ultimately, Conte did manifest the negativity and, and obviously from a personal level, I sort of understand it. But if you keep telling your squad that they're lucky and you keep sort of giving the, 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 the these interviews to, to, to your fans and, and just manifest it, this, this negativity constantly every week, we're lucky, we're not good enough, we're not good enough. It makes the fans doubt the, the, the players, it makes the players' confidence dip, they, they doubt themselves, the self-belief goes and it was just the slow decline factor in all of those variables that I've just mentioned was a recipe for disaster. And that is exactly what this season has been. It's been an absolute disaster, Rick. And from a level of expectation, we can go back many years. There's been poor seasons. But from what I expected last summer to where we where we are now is my most disappointing season as a fan, probably in my life as a Spurs fan, which is saying something. And that is yeah. because I expected so much at the beginning of the season and uh, everything went against us. So, for me, it started with with the death of Vedroni, and and then it, there was sort of a period of injuries, the World Cup, the negativity, and and that for me is where the the, the crack started to uh, to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And in terms of the more high scoring showings, we saw Spurs batter Leicester by six goals to two, in which Son tallied a hat trick in the second period, while four goals against Crystal Palace earned them a four nil win at the usually tough Selhurst Park, but both weirdly a tower of two halves. And that became a familiar story for Tottenham over the course of the season. But we mentioned the fact Spurs did at least demonstrate an ability to gain points from losing positions in the first half of the season. They trialled 21 league games, more than Fulham, and only three fewer than Bournemouth. But Spurs won four and drew three of those games, pointing to a stomach for the fight that also got lost in the noise as the season collapsed. But those recovery points included that 4-3 win against Bournemouth away, which I mentioned, and then respectively leads at home thanks to last-minute goals from Rodrigo Bentancourt. But nevertheless, Spurs entered that World Cup, sitting pretty in the Champions League places, having only spent one week outside the top four. But in the first few weeks of the new year, Tottenham's well-oiled machine, as we know, began to run out of steam. But, you know, the thing that we saw around, to be honest with you, going into that international break was there was a narrative around Spurs that Conte had the side plan to conserve their energy for the second half of the season. And although, like I say, there were concerns, and I said to Frank about papering over cracks to some degree, there was real optimism, I felt, going into the second half of the season that Spurs would find their form, 
kick on and finish in the top four. Is that how you felt going into that World Cup break? Again, I, I tried to put a positive spin on things. I think coming to what Frank was saying, you know, going into that World Cup, I think it was either Frank or Rick said, we, we, were, we were flying high, we were doing well, you know, and playing some more right football, but getting the results that we needed. Um, but going into that World Cup, I was I was quietly confident. I thought, right, the boys are going to come back. They're, they're going to be fitter, sharper, wanting it more. And it just went from worse to worse, really. It wasn't, I think for me, as I said to you boys on many occasions, the season ended for me when Sheffield United beat us in the FA Cup and everything else was just playing out the, uh, playing out the season. Um, I really thought we could really go for the FA Cup this year. But unfortunately, we didn't. Uh, we, we bowed out to them. Um, and, and then from that, it just went from from bad to worse. So obviously, the Conte's comments, you know, right in saying what he said, it did the place harm, I mean. And the only one to really shine from that was Harry Kane. I think if we didn't have Harry, we'd be in, you know, shit creek without a puddle or whatever that, that saying is. So I'm very, very worried, lad. I'm yeah. very, very worried that this new manager comes in yeah, he got back in. Was he my first choice? No. Was he my third choice? No. But again, if he's going to be managing our club, got to get behind him. But I'll tell you something now, there needs to be a massive clear out. A massive clear out. I'm not saying it's going to happen in this window, but players now need to know that they're not going to be part of his plans. That we need to stop getting some new blood in because I can't, I can't do another season with letting in 62, 63 goals. Because as, as, as Mac has said, he plays so far up the pitch. And he plays. He does play that attacking, free-flowing football that we've been crying out for. But if you ain't got the the, the, the players at the back to do their jobs, we're going to be so, so bad. I'm very, very worried. I mean, you would think the reason why they've got him in early and we're going to come on to the man is because they ultimately want to try and act decisively and quick. Which is two words he normally... Well, it, listen, it, you're right. You're right. But I mean, in, in the context of where it But if yeah. he was their, their, one of their choices... Sorry, I know, I know you want to go to Jace. But if he was one of their choices, get him in early. Okay, let him win the league and all that with Celtic, but do a pre-contract so we can start seeing who he wants, who he doesn't want, and what we need. Because now we're going to be we're going to be playing catch up to Liverpool's, the Chelsea's are signing players, United are signing players, City are going to be going in, you know, different stratosphere, and we're going to be sitting there going, oh well, you know, transfer windows open, who are we selling? Should be selling really? players now. The reality is, and up until last week, I don't even think he was on the list. If I'm, he may, nah, listen, he may have been on the list, but he may have been quite far yeah. down the list. I mean, we, this, this wouldn't true. even be a conversation. This wouldn't this have even been true. a conversation had they, of course, Arne Slot agreed to come to Tottenham. That's the reality. And now, let's be honest about it. They're fishing around, maybe in a pool that maybe they wouldn't have been. But look, we are going to come on to. Sorry, Rick, course, I, I digress, but you know what I mean. Manager. Of course, of course. Yeah, yeah. Three of the Lily White's first four Premier League games in 2023 ended with defeat. And while those losses were really painful for Conte, it would not have compared to that severe abdominal pain he suffered towards the end of January as it was announced the 53-year-old would undergo an operation to have his gallbladder removed. And as Conte recuperated, Stellini at the time did actually continue to weave his magic. We know Spurs put in some horrendous performances throughout the season, but the worrying thing is that Spurs were only able to win two of their 10 games against the, the Big Six, one of which, of course, was that perfect team display in January's 1-0 win against Manchester City, where Kane broke Jimmy Greaves' all-time record that stood for 53 years, and Spurs scoring early on and were in always, we have to say, completely nullifying the champions, which was lovely to see. We also saw that win over Chelsea, Oliver Skip's first goal for Tottenham Hotspur, and then January's window. Spurs chose like a subtle approach to that window in terms of the business they did. 
On up, Danjuma was brought in from Villarreal with a 27 million option to buy. While a deal for top wing-back target, Pedro Porro, was finally struck on deadline day. Another loan with a 39.5 million obligation clause attached. And we also saw some of the younger players, fringe players, sent on loan to get some needed game time. Jed Spence joined French side Rennes. Brian Hill rejoined old club side Seville to link up with Eric Lamella. The arrival of Porro on the right side meant there was no more room in the squad for Matt Doherty, who saw his contract terminated before permanently joining Atletico Madrid, with Spurs hitting the season maximum loan limit of eight senior players. But as we mentioned, the season really started to unravel when Rodrigo Benzincourt's season was curtailed, with Conte certainly the central figure, missing a handful of games following that turn of the year. And having had his own issues to deal with, the loss of Jean-Pierre Vantroni, his former teammate Gianluca Vialli, and friend Sinisa Mahalovic, as well as having his gallbladder removed. When you add all that together, Conte came back to Spurs in a difficult period. And although the Spurs stadium remained largely a fortress, it was not to be for Tottenham in the Champions League, as they went out to an AC Milan side that... For Spurs, it felt a real lack of fight. You covered the game here. And then only a few days beforehand, we crashed out of the FA Cup fifth round to Sheffield United as the wheels well and truly come off. A lot there to cover, Jace. I'm sure you're going to pick up mostly on the negatives, but I'd love to get your thoughts on that long period of that season I mentioned there from the Chelsea win, the, the of course Man City win, and how things badly tailed off up until the AC Milan Sheffield United exit. Yeah, AC Milan was was a real disappointment, wasn't it? To to not to not really I, I don't think we had a meaningful effort at goal in either leg. I think it was the late Kane header, wasn't there? It was about it over over what best part of 200 minutes of football. So um famous of course for bringing Davidson Sanchez on although you know that that wasn't why we got knocked out the the cup. I mean, it was just the final straw, I think, for people. But to not have a meaningful effort on target for 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 the best part of two hundred minutes, you know, the the defeat in mid, mid, Milan wasn't wasn't a catastrophic one. You thought, well, you know, it's the first leg, and Tottenham should be able to come back from that. But we just, you know, the game was so flat at, at Tottenham, wasn't it? It was just that sense of it's. I mean, I think the horror of losing at Leicester at home by then as well, that's that's one of the blackest days of the season. I think we lost 4-1 at a relegated team. And we just never recovered from that. And was was Sheffield before Milan? I can't even remember now. Did you say that Sheffield was before Milan? In amongst those things. Yeah, it was. Yeah, that week. So there you go. It kind of, you had the, the knock-on factor then, wasn't it? Confidence was down. Belief was down. Uh, I think the crowd was pretty flat. It, it, it just felt like the season was drifting. Everything was resting on Milan. But we, we just... That, that's the thing. If you're going to go out these competitions, the same at Sheffield, at least go out with the other goal, with the opposition keeper making saves or something like that. But we had nothing really on offer at Sheffield and we had nothing on offer in two legs to Milan. And it, it just kind of summed up everything that, that happened after Christmas. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. 
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Yep. I'm glad you didn't talk about Harry's moment against Man City because obviously we're going to come over to Harry in a bit more detail towards the end of the show and where his future does lie. But leave, I can turn around back to you. We're going to try and, like I say, wrap up this season review. I know many are asking in anticipation on thoughts on, of course, Spurs' incoming manager, which he may be incoming. We'll shall see. Now, Lee, it just feels mad to even read this out and let alone say it, but Conte was nominated for February's Manager of the Month with Spurs winning four of the five league games, although the only one he was present for was that shambolic, horrendous 4-1 demolition at Leicester City and a Champions League exit against AC Milan, which Conte seemed barely bothered to attack, as I mentioned to Jason. And in his final five months, quite damning, that included the World Cup break, Spurs went on a run where they lost eight of the 16 games, where routinely, we have to say, we were awful in that first half of matches and were occasionally saved by Harry Kane when he had the opportunity to do so. Stellini actually did initially get the side playing well to a degree, but the dip in form coinciding with Conte's return to the dugout would see Spurs' season turn firmly on its head with that 3-3 draw at Southampton, having thrown away a two-goal lead to draw it in the very, very last minute. Conte mercilessly attacked his selfish players in an absolutely bewildering press conference, as well as appearing to point the finger at the owners for Spurs' trophyless streak, which now stands at 15 years. Conte said many things in that press conference. He said he saw selfish players who didn't want to play under pressure. They don't want to play under stress. Tottenham's story is this. 20 years, and there is the owner, and they've never won something. I mean, Lee... Me reading that, it feels like it's untenable. There probably wasn't any way back. I think we all feel that many of the things Conte said there were true and we're pleased that he said them. But ultimately, there's no way that couldn't have cost his job, could it? Yeah, for sure. And I think we we know subsequently, obviously, hindsight, because we now know uh, widely reported that Daniel, as I mentioned in my my prelude right at the beginning, that uh, Daniel didn't want to rock the boat because he felt that Conte was the best man still to get us into the top four. And so he didn't. He, he, he let him carry on doing his press conferences or whatever, where he's basically begging to be sacked. Like, he was literally going to his press conferences, he's going, "Sack me, please," because that's what he wanted. It was just, it was, it was a crazy, crazy scenario. Again, going back to it could have been so different after the World Cup, offering him a new contract, bed, bedding him in. Like, it could have been so different. So, so the mood could have been so different. But yeah, he wanted to go, and you know, I mean, when you're reading them stats out, Rick, it's it's, it's embarrassing, isn't it? Lads, viewers and listeners, like 50% uh, lose rate. Like we lost 50% of the games. And and most of them were against bottom six, seven sides. I was at Sheffield United and said, you just said, and it was your breaking point. It was definitely my breaking point. I was at Sheffield United. I was at Wolves away. We should be winning these games. It was just, it was 
fucking nightmare week that was. Absolute nightmare. And then obviously, Jason mentioned about Milan as well. And you know, going and then losing at home to Bournemouth subsequently during that period of time, like you know, that Southampton one-one, uh, sorry, one-one, uh, one-one, South Southampton three-three uh, that draw. You know, drop points again, drop points again. I mean, we're only eleven points outside the top four. Like, go and have a look at the table. Only eleven points. You look at. The, the, the games that we were shocking in. And that's not about shoulda, coulda, woulda, who my one of my good friends, Beverly Knight, uh, wrote and sung all them years ago. Uh, shoulda, coulda, woulda. That's FC, isn't it? Shoulda, coulda, woulda, FC. That's who we are. But, you know, I, I think that when you look at some of them games that we, we did lose or drop points in, we were in, we were in positions to win them like in the 93rd minute or in the 94th minute of the game. Like, we should be beating Southampton, shouldn't we, guys? Viewers and listeners, free one up with, like, five minutes to go, whatever it is. We should be winning that game. So it's not about a wish on paper we should beat them. In-game, we should be beating them. So to drop them 11 points and then subsequently be 11 points outside of the top four, it's embarrassing, Rick. It's, it's actually embarrassing. And then, which I'm sure you're going to touch on now, so forgive me, but I hand back over... The, the absolute, excuse my French please here, shit show of putting Stellini in charge and then getting rid of him and getting Mason in. I mean, what is going on? We had three managers in the last 10 Premier League games. We've gone from the best ever start to a Premier League season, our first Premier League 10 Premier League games, to our last Premier League 10 Premier League games being absolutely shambolic. Um, Lee, I've no just way. seen on, sorry Rick, so I've seen on the uh, comments here, Mark, he's saying Dyer's mistakes cost us 12 points. One wow. man cost from us in, 12 from points. In, from H- H- Hugo would have been nine. I think Hugo wow. would have been nine, possibly. So that's 20 yeah. points. There's a, a title charge there. Just, just add them points on this. That's what I mean. That's what what I mean. That was, you know what I mean? Just the well, like individual errors. Press have actually alluded to, yeah, uh, individual errors have, uh, errors have cost us. Now, regardless of style of play, it has been turgid at, turgid at times to watch, particularly uh, in the latter part of the season. Individual errors have been the Achilles heel for this team this season. And I think Anne mentioned earlier, whoever comes in as manager, if it is Postacoglu, there has to be this clear out because we cannot persist. I mean, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. We cannot continue to do this. These individual errors, the players who, who commit them have to be wean out the club. Again, it's not right. If they don't fit, it's not right. And I'm wondering whether a lot of people are saying this, sorry, but if Ange's going to come in and do that, because that's what it needs. It needs somebody to have the the cojones to come in and go, right, you've gone, you're gone, you're gone. And that that is the big painful rebuild, isn't it, Rick? Ricks, a whole eight days after criticising the players, the ownership and the club's entire culture and history, it was clear that Conte's position was untenable and the Italian was allowed to leave by mutual consent with his long-term assistant, Christian Stellini, bizarrely placed in interim charge. And despite the myriad of problems escalating, Spurs still had a decent shot of the top four. They were fourth as late as the 3rd of April, which I have to remind you, so they could actually gather themselves, try and ignore the growing civil war and pull themselves over the line. But Spurs failed to do so. They took four points from a seven-game run. That, of course, led to the sacking of the interim, Christian Stellini. Now, the most baffling thing of all is that Stellini actually was obviously a concern to many, many Spurs fans. And that's summed all up by the embarrassing 6-1 thrashing at Newcastle, in which they were 5-0 down just after 20 minutes. If Spurs supporters thought it couldn't get any worse, they were mistaken, it could. Spurs were then beaten at home by Bournemouth before, like I say, that truly embarrassing 6-1 defeat to Newcastle. You have to wonder in your might right, 
you have to wonder in your right mind how a guy that has 16 games in charge of Alessandra in Serie C six years ago, how was he ever seen to be good enough to manage the football club? And in between that as well, I have to say, was that fortuitous win against Brighton where they were denied two penalties on the day. And I've never known an unjust victory in all my time supporting this football club. So, Rick's difficult to maybe ask you to analyse that period under Stellini. But my God, what a shambles that was, wasn't it? We, we all knew it. We all knew it. Be, it, it. Straight away, it was a mistake. I think we all felt it in the pit of our stomachs. You know, you can't get rid of uh, Conte and then have his number two or number one man take over and play exactly the same style of football, the exactly the same tactics, the exactly the same drills. You can't do that, you know, because we all knew and we all said it, all of us that you could never get a new manager bounce doing that. You don't get a, that that kind of sigh of relief. You don't get that breath of kind of, oh, okay, Conte's at the door. And if we look at what Mason was saying, especially towards the end of uh, his press conferences, you know, leading up to the end of the premiership, the amount of times that he said he's so proud of his own work because of how damaged that the squad was. So there's so many things that we don't know as fans. Do you know, am I... What's happened? Um, oh, they, I, th I thought I went in and it was Lee. Sorry. Um, I, saw, I saw the screen go and I thought it was me. I thought I cut out. But there were so many, um, I think there's so many things that we, we don't know what's been happening in the training ground, how the feeling has be, been, especially since after the, the World Cup. I noticed a massive change in the tone of press conferences from Antonio Conte pre-World Cup to post-World Cup. I just felt it in the water, something had changed. And as Lee said earlier, you know, um, he, he was looking to get himself sacked. I don't know whether you guys have seen it or, you know, the listeners and the viewers have seen it. Uh, Simon Jordan talked about it, that, you know, he, he actually went in there to kind of set fire to the place because, he, you know, Levy wasn't going to sack him. He was going to keep him there and kind of entrust him to earn that money, that yearly 15 million, and, and go get the job done. And then we'll work it out at the end of the season. Maybe we needed this carnage, Rick, though. Maybe we needed the thing to set on fire. As Cracker says, it's a clown's car on fire. But maybe we needed somebody to just blow it up. And, and then now we have to start again. There's no there's no choice, is there? Uh, absolutely, bro. And you know what? Everything that he said in that press conference, however kind of vile or kind of, you know, hot and harsh it was, majority of it was true. But what got me were, with Conte, and he is, I think he's my biggest disappointment of the season, to tell you the truth, because I, he rose the bar. He kind of was this win-now manager. He's going to change the way. We're going to go for A, B, and C. So I raised my level with him. So to see that sturgid, very strict, horseshoe, terrible football that we continue to play, that we continue to invite pressure onto us, and then after the World Cup, how we dropped off and how everybody started to give up. Do you know what I mean? And and maybe that came from Conte there because, yes, he had his gallbladder. He was out for a, a period of time. But, it, you know, it, it, it sounds like, as a lot of you kind of guessed early on in the season, that he didn't want to be there, you know. Um, he didn't want to be there. And we started to see that. And how you can entrust Delini to kind of take over and, and, and bring something new or bring something fresh or, or change the culture. How can you change the culture if the man that is teaching the culture every day that has now subsequently been the wrong culture is still there. Do you know what I mean? Regardless of whether it's Conte or Stellini, it, the, the same things were being taught, were being shared, were being trained and, and were being, uh, you know, entrusted to the, those players. And, and we saw 
we saw how much of a fall off we had. You know, we was getting out of trouble early throughout the season in those first halves or the second halves or Harry Kane goals or, you know what I mean? Like, even Hoiberg popped up in the first couple, in the first half of the season with, you know, goals that got us through Champions League and stuff like that. So, we, we, we were getting results, but we wasn't getting any real performances. And you could see with Stellini, I think he just kind of <clears throat> galvanised that chaos and, and has brought it to the surface now where it, we're at a point now where, we have to be really, really careful careful with the business that we do and with the manager that we bring in. Everyone's saying it's 99% done and Postacoglu, but everybody said the same about Slot. Everybody said the same about Fonseca. You know, we've been here, we've done that. So until he's holding the shirt, I can't say anything. I can't look forward. You know, we, could, we can guesstimate and we can kind of hypothesise, but I'm not going to kind of jump in wholeheartedly yet. But, um, with, you know, you look at teams like Leicester that won the league not too long ago. You know what I mean? Like, you look at Southampton, who have always had a pretty much decent side. You look at Everton, who have spent money in the past, but, but have been lost with the way in which they play and their philosophy and all of those things. The same traits that we've, we've got in us right now. And to come into Tottenham at this time, I think Mason's done a great job to stabilise it and to bring the level back up and to bring the joy back up a little bit and to the, just the joy in Rick, playing Rick, football. Rick, 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 we, How many games have we won the Mason? How many games have we lose? Come on, no, it, it, But, bro... He didn't stabilise anything. He didn't Frankie, give us joy. I'll, I'll come on, come on. a minute, Frankie. Let me just tell you something. The same way that you was cussing at Ten Hag is the same way that you're cussing at Mason right now. And I'll, tell, I'll, explain, I'll explain what I'm trying to say. Mason, yes, we lost those games, but was those traits not not embedded in our squad from when Mourinho took over? So we've had Mourinho, then we've had Nuno, then we've had Conte, and then we've had the fall off after that World Cup, right? So those those we, we were losing games before Mason took over. I'm not talking about the 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 actual. I, I understand uh, that, and what you're saying is right. The squad isn't good enough, and obviously they've been taught many bad sort of negative habits over the sort of several years that they had those style of managers. But he didn't bring any joy back and he didn't lift the standard. It, we finished the season no, in a win. We, we nearly finished ninth. Maybe not for oh. us, bro. Maybe not for us. But you but you could see there was a difference. I went to the Man United game. I saw a bit of a difference in that one. Even the comeback at Liverpool, even though that Lucas, all right, he gave it to Jota and Jota scored in that, you know. But there was a comeback. There was a bit of a fight. We were starting to play a couple of triangles here and there instead of playing that 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 horseshoe football that infuriates me so all right the results wasn't there but what i'm and i'm not saying that the results i'm not saying employing mason right now i'm not saying mason's the new guru what i am saying is is that for the next manager at least he lifted the strain and the stress and and that ugly football and that ugly way you're turning up at the training ground so he lifted that. You're saying that's a, that's a fair point. There was a grey cloud over the squad, and they probably enjoyed working with him more so than they did with a. Well, certainly more so than they did with Stellini. Because even yeah. the even Jay's the, the way he speaks, me. even the way he speaks about football, Franks, even the way he speaks about football is very much the potch way. It's very much about energy, and it's very much about you know being a good man and a good person and, and do it. You know. He, the, the things that he was saying about if you don't want to be here and, and have pride for the shirt, then I don't want you in the squad or I don't want you playing on the field. And I think that shift 
just stabilize, not the result, but just stabilize the club for whoever's next to come on and fingers crossed take it forward because this is such a massive job. We know, as we're going to speak right now, we know how many holes there are and we know how many failings there is and we know how big a job it is. It the next manager ain't just coming in to, to, to coach the first 11. He's coming in to fix the whole philosophy, culture, and, all, and try and fix all of the cracks in every single wall at the, in the club right now. So that's all I was yeah. saying about Mace. Jace, we're going to attempt to close it with you now this season with you, as painful as it's been. Uh, we saw disdain towards Daniel Levy hit new heights as there were fleeting rumours of a takeover from Iranian-American billionaire Jam Najafi. But unfortunately, they were quickly dispelled by the Spurs chairman. In between this, we had under-fire chief Fabio Paratigi keeping, really, his role despite real concern over this worldwide suspension, which inevitably would lead to him resigning from his role in charge. The madness didn't end there, though. Spurs went 3-0 down at Anfield inside 15 minutes. They fought their way back to 3-3, only, of course, then to deny themselves with a last-minute winner for Liverpool by Yota. And that mood in North London actually briefly improved for a little bit of a period. We saw Kane overtake Wayne Rooney in the Premier League's all-time goal-scoring charts with his 209th goal against Crystal Palace. But what followed was a subsequent 2-1 loss to Aston Villa, which prolonged our winning streak on the road to nine games, ending any chance of Champions League qualification. And unfortunately, that was followed up by a 3-1 home defeat to Brentford, which was also seen to have an incredibly muted awards ceremony. And of course, Spurs overall losing five of their final eight games, slumming to an eight-play finish, their worst position since 2008-2009, and their, th their lowest position for 13 seasons, and missing out completely on European football, despite, of course, that final away win at Leeds at the end of the season, relegated Leeds. Jace, what a season. I'm sure we're glad it's over. Give me your summary on the back of all that, if you can put it into some kind of context for us. Well, I'm pleased we missed out on the, the European checker trade, that's for sure. So, uh, yeah, I think, thank God we missed out on the dog shit, you know, numbers on the shirts shirt competition. But, um, no, it's, it's it petered out, you know, the, the kind of the thing that leads some of the season up, didn't it? Lucas Moura finishes his career with a, with a brilliant goal, having cost us a lot at Everton, and then immediately we got to 3-3 at Liverpool, he cost us again. So that, that kind of sums up Lucas Moura's time as well, didn't it? And just, there were, there were so many little bits in the season that, that summed individual players up, individual mistakes, you know, Romero missing at the end of the season, but fit for Argentina again, and, and all those types of things that just, you know, just a, a shocking, shocking way for the season, and I think we were all... Uh, we were all quite glad that that final whistle went at Leeds and you think, right, season's done. Whatever, you have to accept whatever position you're in. At least that lot down the road didn't rub our noses in it by, by having a bus parade around the, the streets of North London. And you just have to try and rebuild over the summer. I, I still look at the summer and think we missed out on the Champions League by 11 or 12 points. And yes, Liverpool will be stronger and Chelsea will be stronger and... You know, everyone will sign players that immediately make them so much better, like Darwin Nunes made Liverpool so much better last year, like 600 million made Chelsea so much wonderful football last year, like Anthony and, and Varane's and all that, made, and Casemiro made Man United so much better last year, but they'd lose by seven and lose by six and lose by four at Brentford. So, you know, we shouldn't be too down going into the summer. All we've got to do with a free 
with three weeks next year, he's fined those 12, 13 points. And I think there's as much chance of us finding 13 points as there is of Chelsea finding 30 points. We will shall Can see. I just say, great points there, Jace. Very good points on on all of that. Um, but it is, isn't it? Points. Everyone's yeah. going to be instantly Spot stronger because they bought a player. But it doesn't always work that way, does it? It just no. doesn't. No. A lot, a lot of what you said as well, just on that point, you said Brighton, absolutely brilliant, deserved brilliant, like their squad, everything. Paul Barber, I love him, like I love him. brilliant. We finished two points behind him after an yeah. utter shit show of a season. And if we go right. and get that extra win or that extra, you know, we, 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 it's a complete different story. Like 11, 12 points to find. Yeah. And I guarantee we'll finish above them next year. Hi everyone, Crackers here with the rundown for your upcoming events. Friday the 19th of May, Hardwick AFC have a fundraiser evening with Dean Saunders at Hardwick Social Club in Gloucestershire. Friday the 26th of May, H2O Promotions have an evening with Razor Ruddock at Dartford FC. Saturday the 23rd of June, Michael Dawson is at Hereford FC for the Herefordshire Official Spurs Supporters Club. And Thursday the 14th of September, the one and only Alan Brazil is at Mumbai Square Restaurant near Liverpool Street Station in central London. That's an evening with Alan, a two-course curry meal, meet and greet and everything else you'd get with such a great evening. Please go to closeencounter.events for further details and tickets. So there you go. I'm at Mr. Cracknell across the socials where I'll put up details of all these events, posters, etc. Cheers then. Frank, it's time for the big debate here on Last Win on Spurs. It's time to talk about Ange. Tottenham Hotspur are on the verge of appointing Ange Postacoglu as their new manager, we understand talks have advanced over these last couple of days and Postacoglu himself has informed Celtic he would like to leave the football club and join Tottenham Hotspur. Two summers ago, it took Daniel Levy 76 days to appoint Nuno Espirito Santo, only for him to be sacked 93 days later. In terms of what Tottenham need, you could probably say we need everything from top to bottom. A strategy that aligns with the club's values, a new director of football and a new manager who can work together towards with goals. And Spurs really do need somebody that's going to come in, bring a fresh approach, and ultimately have a form of identity to their playing style and game management. So I'm really keen to know your thoughts, Frank, on whether you feel Ange Postacoglu is the right man for the job. And I would love to know from you just how far up, if he was ever, on your list of candidates for this role. Well, he wasn't on the radar. I'll be totally honest about that. And I don't think he was on anyone's list, perhaps... Many, uh, I don't know. There, there's, there's, there's many conflicting and polarizing opinions on Ange Postacoglu. Now, I have watched Celtic play, and they play dynamic, interesting football, um, all out attack, all guns blazing. And I understand he's doing it with Celtic in the in the SPL. The one thing I will say is the Celtic fans seem to absolutely worship and adore him, and they have won everything in the last ten to twelve years, particularly with the demise of Rangers in the, uh, the 2010, 11, whenever it was. They've had Brendan Rodgers, Neil Lennon. They've been successful. They've won trebles. But they seem to have a special sort of place in their hearts. And the opinion that they have of Postacoglu seems to be a, a better opinion than the managers I've just mentioned. So that's a good... For me, It's uh, that's a positive. 
Um, I like the way that he, I like his football journey. I like the way that he's had to sort of overcome the barriers and the stigma of being an Australian football coach. And I like the way that he's progressed and, and pound for pound what he's done, he, the respective clubs and, and obviously the national team, but the, the clubs he's coached at. Um, I think it was in Japan, he won a league title for a team that hadn't won in 15 years. So so he, he's achieved a lot within that sort of, uh, at that level, within the context of where he was. Now, the, the question will be, how can he handle a squad full of internationals and, and, and bigger players, bigger personalities, for instance, if Harry Kane does stay, that's another conversation. But Brazil's number nine is then on the bench. How does he handle that situation? How does he handle the overhaul of this squad that it so desperately needs? How does he tell players? He seems pretty ruthless. And and, and I, I hope that he takes that up to this level because you can argue, obviously, Celtic are a huge club and I'm not denying that, but this is the Premier League uh, he's coming into a, 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 a fractured club at the moment. The fan base is at a, a multi-year low. Um, there's this angst and, and negativity around the, the, the ownership. There's doubts over Scott Munn's appointment. There's so many questions over this football club at the moment. So if he can come in and, and galvanise, then that's that, that would be pretty incredible. Now, the one thing I would like to say is we've all said that the big personalities, the big names working under Daniel Levy, um, Big, big names typically need ready-made squads. You look at Ancelotti, he was at Everton, he finished mid-table, went to Real Madrid and won the Champions League. So you could be the best manager in the world. If you haven't got the tools to work with, it's not going to work. So we've been there, we've done that. We've had the misery of Jose. We've had the, subsequently the, the misery of Conte. We've had the negativity of Nuno's style of play. We all want to enjoy it. I want, I want my thumb back in my football. I want to go to the stadium and, and see front foot exciting football. Now, if he's allowed to build the squad and mould it into to, to his vision, into what he wants it to be, then it might work. If he isn't, it's doomed to fail. He'll be gone by Christmas. If they're not going to clear out the, the players that we all know shouldn't be there after this summer, and he's not allowed to bring a decent keeper in, a couple of centre-backs, a playmaker, all of the positions that we all know, we don't need to talk about that. But if he's not allowed to do that, he's doomed to fail. But one thing that is interesting is he is an unbelievable communicator. And this is what we need at the moment as fans. This is what the football club needs. It needs somebody who can communicate. And we've had Poch, who was a fantastic manager for us, but he wasn't a great communicator, uh, particularly in the early days. He used to talk about cows crossing roads and riddles. We had Jose, who was Mr Negative. We had Conte, who I think a lot of what he said was lost in, in translation at times. I do because he couldn't quite, he's a very emotional Italian. They talk with their hands, you know, they like to express the way they're feeling and it didn't translate. For me at times so this for me could be a breath of fresh air the only thing that probably most of the fan base are upset with is that the the way that we've we've ended up here many wanted potch i don't think he was first second third or fourth choice Postacoglu. so have we sort of fumbled another managerial sort of appointment who knows um but another thing i will say is the managers that i had high expectations from going back to ramos who'd won it all with sevilla to jose to conte who I expected to win, have, have failed. And the managers that I didn't expect much from, Martin Yell, uh, Pochettino, they were they were a great success at Spurs. So I'm I'm going to give him a chance. I don't I, I think it's ridiculous that we have parts of social media no to Postacoglu to stop. That is utterly ridiculous. We have to give this man a chance. We need to back him. We need to give him time. Um, and I think that. He needs patience if we do employ him. It can't just be he's got to work his magic in a season. There has to be a plan. There has to be a pathway. 
And um, I think that that's where the club has been lost over the last several years. It's all been short-termism. It's all been win now. We've lost our identity. The football has been far from enjoyable. Even in the, the best of times, at the end of last season, it was still sort of soak it up, counter-attacking football. Um, so I'm willing to give him a go, Rick. And um, I understand that I've had a bit of criticism in, in the group and, f- and from others because I'm trying to maybe convince myself but convince others that this could be a good appointment. But I'm going to give him a go. I'm going to try and be positive about this situation. And as someone said in the comments, Andrew will make us proud. You know what's interesting, Jace, if I can come over to you. You know, a comment on the screen is from Richie says, all the praise is great to hear, but will he actually be given the time to manage the same way with the restrictions and obstacles that the previous managers have had? Now, I think we've it's been fairly clear that ultimately Conte and Mourinho hadn't got their number one targets. And as Lee has you know, mentioned at the time, he brought in the link to Scott Munn, which I'm going to come to Lee in a second for. But Jason, I'll be honest about it. I think, you know, in the group or you know, on, on WhatsApp when I've shared messages with you, I know you've been fairly underwhelmed so far by this recruitment process. Now it's becoming more real and it appeals the man or it appears the man is going to get the job. What's your feelings now? Has it has, have they changed at all? Share with the viewers and listeners how you feel, because generally you've been on the show for the last six, seven years. You made your feelings clear over, of course, going back to Maurizio's, or even Maurizio's appointment, and then obviously Mourinho's and Conte's. And I know many Spurs fans hold your opinion in high regard. So where do you stand on and Postacoglu looking like he's going to be the new Spurs manager? He was nowhere near the, well, he's nowhere near the list of candidates that the fans would have picked. I don't know how far up the list he was for, for Tottenham Hotspur. I certainly don't know how far he was up the list for Scott Munn. Maybe he was Scott Munn's number one target. I don't know. But, you know, from a list of, of Nagelsmann's, what have you, I could have thought of there's about 20 managers that I'd have probably sooner seen pitch up than Ange. Than, than Ange. But, and, and that's part of the frustration that that's, you know, 70 days on, we don't appear... In a, in for a fan that we're getting the the man that we think or anywhere near the top of our list and we're, we're settling for for what we think is seventh eighth ninth tenth best or, or whatever that's the problem I think you're right the problems all come for him I mean he's you know the, the Scottish League forget forget the quality of the Scottish League Celtic dominate I know they had the the year with Rangers but it's it's not unusual for Scotland for, for Celtic to win doubles and things. So, you know, on, on Angie's bad days at the start, when you're trying to rebuild, you might beat Falkirk 2-1. But on an Ange bad day in the Premier League, you'll go to Aston Villa and get beat 3-0. And that's a massive, massive difference. And so when you're... Exactly. You're, you know, you're right. You're, you're talking about him having to hit the ground running. If, we, if in our first 10 games, we've got two wins, two draws and 60 feats then he is under massive pressure because that's a worse record than Nuno and Nuno was sacked. So, you know, you've got to be really, really careful that hopefully the fixture list is kind and we get we get some, we get an Arsenal-type fixture list at the start of the season where the, the big games are at home and we have some, some, some chances to settle into the season. But I think it, it's... And the other thing is, is how he wants to play. And you're right, has he got players that will adapt to his methods? Has he got players that can do what he wants them to do. And if they can't, can he adapt his ways to get results, even though he's not got the, the players he wants? So there's, there's massive doubts about the job. But in fairness, that, that could apply to could apply to Brendan Rodgers. It could apply to Ancelotti as, 
as Frank talks about at Everton, it could apply to Jurgen Klopp coming and walking through the door. There are difficulties for any new manager at Tottenham. We have to see what the ball do for him. Um, you know, there are so many bits and pieces of that squad that's broken. You can sit here and say, we need a new goalkeeper, we need a new centre-half. We've got three left-backs, we've got three right-backs. We've got our best midfield player not playing until Christmas. You've got the conundrum with Kane. Is Sonny going to be Sonny of previous years? Is he back to the Sonny of of last year? The, 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 is Kulazewski even going to sign a contract? Or are we even going to get a deal for Kulazewski done? So there's, there's a lot of, of things that he's got to get right, which in fairness to him, he can't... He's, he can't <laughs> He's not going to come in and just flick a switch and solve all of those problems, is he? But nobody would. But I think it's going to be... I think when you come in... If it, if it was Nagelsmann, for instance, and I, I wouldn't necessarily have gone for Nagelsmann, but there seemed to be about 70 75% of the fan base would have been happy with Nagelsmann. So, like I'm saying, if he'd have... Nagelsmann wins two, draws two, loses six, there's still a bit more patience. But when you're... You're down at number 10, 11, 12 on the list and you get win two, draw two, lose six. Particularly if one or two of those defeats are big, heavy ones. that The pressure comes on him immediately. And I'm not so sure a lot of supporters have then got the patience to think this is a massive rebuild. Because the rebuild is like an 18-month job. It's not a, a, an 18-game job and, and the second it's half of the season is yeah. It's not. And this it's is not. what we always talk about and we spoke about off-air. The issue that we now have is if we're going to fish in certain ponds and we're going to be whatever club we're going to be, the, the ticket prices are so out of... Out of yeah. The, the, yeah. You know, we're, we're not competing in the transfer market and we haven't been... We're not. We, we, let's not kid ourselves. With Chelsea, with Manchester City, with Manchester United. Now, the stadium was supposed to be this big game changer that would enable us to close that gap and to compete. So we've been fed a false narrative... And the problem is, throughout this 18-month period, if we do see green shoots and we start to see this style of play, um, are we patient? Are we thinking about the fact that we pay the highest ticket prices in Europe? I think the club have become so detached from reality with the way that they've priced the tickets in this new stadium that they think because we sit in better seats and we have a nicer surroundings, we have beer that comes out of the bottom of the bar and on taps and we have um, Tim Winston, for instance, one of our own, Great at what he does, but singing in the you know the gangways, singing his music. It's it, you know the match day experience away from the football. Okay, is better. It's far greater than White Hart Lane. But the main objective and the main reason we go to watch or go to the stadium is to watch football. And the standard of football, the style of play, has been awful since we've moved into that stadium. We've just finished eighth. So, are fans willing to be patient to to, to allow this rebuild to happen and for eighteen months pay top dollar to not quite see a winning team? I mean, what, what, what's your thoughts? This is an open question to everyone. Are you willing to give it time? If you start to see a better style of football, but we're not quite there, what are you willing to do, Jace? Are you willing to give it time? Think, or? Well, just, just on him, I think the one thing he's got in his benefit without Europe, and, and take away the, the checker trade, my feelings on that, but it does give him time on the training pitch where you're not, you're not, you know, on a normal week, we played Sunday, Monday's a recovery day. Tuesday, we're flying out to Europe. Wednesday's a Champions League game or a Europa League game. Thursday, we're coming home. It's a recovery day. Friday, we're preparing for Saturday's Premier League game. There's no actual time for him to work on the training pitch usually. Whereas at least this way, finish Sunday, recovery Monday, and then we've got all week to, to try and to go along his route. So, And again, that, that would apply to any manager. So I, I think it's definitely an advantage to, to him to not have Europe. But... But you're, I mean, I, I, 
seeing the right type of football to me is massive. But my one worry is that people saying, well, you know, Ange plays the right style of football. There's a thousand managers out there that play attacking football just to, to pick a manager because he plays the right football. That's that's not on its own enough quality to, to justify being a Tottenham Hotspur manager for me. But Lee, you're right. I, if, if I see the football the right Sorry. way, I think the, the big game... The big game will be Chelsea at home. And I bet that fixture list gives us Chelsea at home in the first three or four games. We've had Chelsea really early in the last couple of years, haven't we? Mm -hmm. yeah, so you watch. We'll have Chelsea yeah, yeah. just we'll before Chelsea. the international break. Poch is coming back. And then, you know, lots of people wanted Poch. Chelsea come and roll us over. Then he's under pressure there and then like that. Seemingly, they come to us. We absolutely batter them. And Maurizio Massive. gets them yep. And we win and we smash them 4-0. All of a sudden, you're on a different... even if it's one nil, Lee. Even if it's one nil, we've played yeah. decent football yeah. and we've got a result against them. That that'll be a massive lift for him. What what would exacerbate the problem is if Pochettino starts well, and I think that yeah. you could see the tide turn with yeah. the crowd. Obviously, if we lose four out of our first eight and Pochettino flies with Chelsea, then there's going to be fan unrest, unfortunately. Mm. And that's just that's the key. That's yeah. the key. We start if Poch starts well for Chelsea, and we're falling behind. Just arguments sake. Yeah, he's going to be proper under pressure, big time. And I, yeah. I feel, I, I feel sorry for him because that anger will actually be the anger yet again at the board, but it will get taken out to a degree on on Ange, and, and that's not his fault. It's, it's not no. his fault. He's down the list. It's not his fault. Pochettino's gone to Chelsea. It's not his fault that we pay the dearest ticket prices. It's not his fault that uh, we're a fractured club with so many anti Levy. He can't help any of that, and he's, he's never going to be able to fix all that in one go. But it will be hard for him, for sure. He's got two league championships, two league cups, one Scottish Cup, two manager of the season, seven manager of the months, 119 games, 85 wins to his name. OK, so look, you must be living in a cave if you if if you um, don't know that I wanted Poch back. So that's why I'm not massively happy about Ange being appointed, right? Because I wanted Pochettino to come back to his football club and be our saviour. However... A lot has to happen for any manager to walk into his football club today and be successful. Uh, the board needs to change their ways. They either need to uh, step up or ship out, um, which a lot of people have been talking about, um, and they need to change their philosophy on the football inside. Everything else about the club, and I've said it again and I've said it again and again, is, is, is phenomenal. Stadium, the training ground, the facilities. I don't care about NFL and Beyonce's and all that going there. I think it's fantastic. I think it's great if it brings money into the football club. And they've done amazing. If we had 10, 20% of that detail that went into that stadium build on the pitch on the football inside, we'd be conquering Europe. That's, that's, that's how much of the disparity is between the football inside or not. You have to give credit where credit's due. Regardless if you, want, uh, if you knew anything about Scott Munn or not, the fact of the matter is the club have got in a chief footballing officer. It doesn't start his job yet. It doesn't start until July the 1st, as we know, but he's there. And he's the, his job title in itself suggests that he's going to run the footballing side. And the reason why I put that tweet out on the 7th of April, the day that Scott Munn got appointed, is because of the Australian connection. Now, anybody knows when you're building a team, whether it's in business or whether it's in sport or whatever it is, you need to have good people around you, better people around you, people that you know, people that you can trust. So it was really obvious to me that if Scott Munn trusts Ange, right, and he's adding, it's, it's quite obvious to me that there's going to be a link. I couldn't, I was absolutely baffled that no one else linked him that, that early on, to be fair. 
the, the second the second thing on that as well is that forget looking at credentials. This is not about credentials today. This is about what does Tottenham Hotspur Football Club need? Now, this is about competence. This is about behaviour. This is about culture. This is about value. Yeah, and this isn't about a CV. This isn't about oh, I've won this and I've won that. It's not about that. It's about can you get under the skin of these players? Can you get these players to play for you? Can you get the club, the values of the football club back to where we were before and beyond where we were? That's what Maurizio Pochettino did. And no one was calling for him. I remember going on Talk Sport, actually, and talking about he's going to be a puppet for Daniel Levy. He's a yes man. I wanted um, Rafael Benitez. How wrong was I? And I'm happy to be wrong all the time. I'm the one... Unfortunately for Daniel Levy, he's not the one that comes up and says, oh, actually, I've made a mistake. I'm happy to admit my mistakes. There's been plenty of them. But the point I'm making is that you, you, I'm not saying, look, for, for the staunt Levy out people, they will never give Daniel Levy credit for, for anything, let alone on the footballing side. But we've been craving for the footballing side to change and the club have put in Scott Munn to start to change the footballing side. Now, Scott Munn, as we understand it, has got really good, strong ties and worked with and I can't say so, and I'm so sorry, I'm going to batter it, Postelogu. And therefore, it's... it's Postico- Postelogu. Thank you, my man. Thank you. And the reality is, if they work together and they know that the value of this football, the values of the football club, and we want to bring that back together, front foot, attacking football where we are, that's going to have a better chance of surviving than if Daniel Levy went above Scott Munn's head before we even started and went and signed Nagelsmann which by all accounts is what happened with the Nuno scenario. Nuno, after 10 games, gets fired and, and Daniel Levy goes for Conte, which Paratigi, by all accounts, you know, didn't, didn't think was the right was in the right place to take the job at that period of time. And again, this is the point. This, I'm not articulating this very well. There's a lot of people that won't even listen to what I'm saying because it's deeper than what is on, written on somebody's CV. It, is, it doesn't matter. What matters today is, can this guy take us forward where we are today? Can he? Can he do that? And, and I'm backing him 100%. If the, if the Tottenham Hotspur Football Club have, have appointed him, I'm getting behind the bloke. Simple, simple as that. You have to get behind the manager. Was he my first choice? No. But could he work? And am I going to give him the benefit? Yeah, of course I am. I'm going to do that as a football fan. Because quite frankly... I am sick to death of this season being sick to death. I'm sick of it. I'm sick of moaning. I, I'm sick of the constant negativity that the, that the board and the, the Conte era and the Marino era before that, the rubbish football. I'm sick and tired of coming on here and moaning. Like, honestly, I'm, I'm a really happy guy. <laughs> like, I'm a really positive bloke normally. And like most people this season, if you're tuning in this season, you think, God, that Lee McQueen moans a lot. I don't normally, but this is what the club has done. I just want to get back to playing football in a really good way, in a way that is the Tottenham way, and then we can start to build from there. But I do agree with a lot of the points that everyone's made, is that it is going to be tough for him because the fans don't get behind him. But as you can see on the screen from my name tag here, Mark McQueen, and you can see from all the other Celtic fans that are in here right now, he will get us on site. And will get us on side because he will do the bits. And, and I will say, you talk about Mark says there about the J League in Yokohama. There was a certain guy back in 1996 
that looked like something out of Bagpuss. He come, he looked like the professor. He come with some glasses on. He looked like the, the little bird thing out of Bagpuss, right? He walks out and people thinking, who's this geezer? And he become one of the most successful, even to this day, Premier League managers in Arsene Wenger. And he won the lot. So just because you've managed in the J League or just because you haven't managed in the Premier League doesn't necessarily mean to say that you're not going to do the business. So I think it's bigger than where you've managed. I, I generally do. And so for some people, they won't agree with that. That's fine. I think it's about can we get everyone on what I call the crazy train, as you know, pulling in the right direction. That is a, that is a bigger that is a bigger piece of work than than just looking at somebody's CV and going, yeah, okay, I'm going to hire him. We've had Mourinho, who's won more trophies than anyone else. What, what happened? We've had Conte, who's won nine major trophies. What happened? CVs, yeah, it looks great. Doesn't fit. Maybe Ange is the fit right now for Tottenham Hotspur. Rick, I have to apologise, mate. You've had to wait your turn on this. It's um, a subject that is massively, massively, of course, sparking lots of interest across this show and across many others out there. Unbelievable. There's nearly 13, 1,400 of you watching us right now. Again, it's unbelievable. We're not even doing games now and there's so much interest. So, again, thank you so much for all your incredible support. Even the Celtic fans that are trying to make us uh, be optimistic on and Postacoglu's appointment. Rick, I just want to get your thoughts on it. And one question I want to ask you is one that I'm trying to still rank with myself is that for the players like Sonny, Kane, Bentoncourt, Porro, Adoji, how excited do you think they would be at the prospect of being trained, coached by and Postacoglu? And I say that in the most grace of respects, just to kind of pick your brains about what you think those players are thinking by disappointment. Honestly, I don't know. We knew that there was, a, or we saw that there was a bit of disappointment uh, in the players when Nuno arrived. Um, you saw, even though some of the, the first three performances, they were all right, you know, we, we, was, we was winning, but you could see the massive drop-off. And, and I think it's the, the, the players are really intelligent in the sense of if they know that you don't know your stuff or they don't believe in what you're saying and they don't believe in what you're trying to go forward with, then, you know, they, they don't back the manager. And, and that's what we need most of all. We need, we need those players behind and if he's going to be the man. Um, it, it, like what everybody's been saying there, it, it's going to be tough either which way. Um, we've got so many holes to fill. We've got so many cracks to, you know, to, to, to fix. And hopefully someone like Ange can do that. Now, the, 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 the good thing about him is that I, I saw one interview where he spoke about turning up at, at Celtic and he was like, let's be fair, I was a joke. Do you know what I mean? I, I was considered a joke. And, you know, it, it was the Celtic fans that kind of stuck with him, stayed with him, and together they rose. And, um, you know, they as we've seen in the comments today, they, they love him. And I think with, with him, like what Lee was saying there, it's all about the fit, right? You know, some, some managers and some players don't fit the shirt. You know, they're, they're great at, at one club or the, and they're terrible at the next. So hopefully this guy can come in and with his humility, with his humbleness, with his, you know, he knows he's going to get it. He knows he's going to get it from a section of the fans. He knows he's going to get it from a section of the media. He knows that every result's going to be um, scrutinised because he's just gone through all of that in Scotland you know, and, and proved his worth. And from subsequently, from everything that I've seen, everywhere that he's gone, he's done that. 
whereas people doubted him, people didn't really believe in him. And he's not only turned the squad around and had the squad, the players, believe in what he's saying, but then gets the fans to turn around and start to back and starts to see. And that's what's going to be important for me. I need to see us compete again. I need to see us, you know, play not only on the front foot, but I've said it many a time. Like, stop worrying about the opposition. Let the opposition worry about us. And that's one of his philosophies. And when I read that, I was actually kind of like, oh, maybe we've got something here. With his humility and with the journey that he's had, <clears throat> he's only going to work super duper hard. He's only going to try and do everything that he can possibly do. And we, we know the problems as we've alighted in this, in, in this pod and every other pod during this season. We know the problems. And we know the pro problems are massive. But if he can start to give us some of the Tottenham way back, if he can start to bring some joy to those boys, if he can start to bring some joy to the fans, if we can see progress, progression, I think the fans will back him. And I think the fans will be with him. You know, there is a lot to do. And spoke about a total rebuild. I'm, I'm totally with him, right? I'm totally with him. But my, my worry is every time that we've sold somebody, the replacement that has come in next has has not been the one. Do you know what I mean? We, we haven't we haven't replaced our best. So if Hugo's going, you know, and there's reports of many a different keeper, but are we going to replace him with the one? Like I, I I don't know how much this new structure that we've got that Perucci put into place there while he was there of all the scope coaching and all all of the scouts around the way, and them leveling leveling us up to compete with the same kind of stature of, of teams around Europe in those departments, are those going to step up and replace, re replace the players that need replacing with the quality that somebody like Ange wants? Because from, for, for, for both um, uh, transfer windows that we've had, they've been club signings. And this is what I've realised as well. All of them are club signings. I mean, apart from Perisic last year, I think all of them were club signings. You know, we, we looked at January. You know, we, we ended up getting Poro in, which was, I suppose, was one for uh, a wing-back system, for Conte. But from what I was hearing, Conte wanted Dunzo, uh, Denzel Dumfries. You know, somebody who was big, stronger, physically able to not only get up and down, but to be able to actually kind of have that strength on the ball and get into the tackles and all of that jazz. So are we going to replace the players that we're going to sell with the quality and the standard and that have the heart and the head to go forth and play the way that Ange or our next manager wants to play? That's what's worrying right now. Uh, but I, I, I think with everything that I've read so far, that it could, like exactly what Lee was saying, I totally, I totally kind of give him big claps and a salute because, you know, we're in a state and we need somebody to... To, to, to fix at least the footballing problems. And hopefully, Ange can be the man that can do that. Coming over to you, Ange, you know, he's walking into a club where there's a number of, as you mentioned, situations to try and resolve. One of them being the fact that Hugo Lloris has publicly come out and declared that he would like to leave the football club. And as we recall this show on this day, Harry Kane, a lot of momentum gaining that, of course, with Real Madrid allowing Karim Benzema to leave the club, that he is going to be their number one target this summer <clears throat> yeah do you think for any man coming in they couldn't have walked into what is again a very difficult situation they face I mean arguably you thought Nuno's situation was quite difficult when obviously he came in the door and Harry was being linked to yeah. Manchester City if you were to make him a to-do list and how long would that list go 
I think if Kane does go, obviously we don't want him to go. Absolutely not. But you know, if it's if he's come to a point in his career where it's like, look, I'm, I'm 30 next month, I want to go somewhere else and challenge. Then good luck to you, mate, and uh, wish you all the best. But unfortunately for for for, for Ange, he's got to come in now and, and put a stamp on things and get the players that he wants. And if it is the manager decision to maybe do if if he does let Kane go we've got to back him you look at Liverpool they've got four centre forwards Chelsea got three centre forwards Man City got two centre do you know what I mean they've got they've always got someone else there we haven't all right Richarlison you can say but he hasn't had the best of seasons so maybe we do need someone else to come in someone that Ange wants or recommends comes in and challenges Kane so if and when he does ever leave then we've got someone to slot back in He's coming, he's coming at a really weird time, but, you know, what can you do? Just how concerning, Frank, is it with relation to Harry Kane's situation now? The fact that this momentum is gaining towards Real Madrid. And it's not just him, of course, the club captain now, Hugo Lloris, declaring that he would like to leave the football club. End of an era, Already, isn't it? It's an end of an era, but for a manager coming in, how much of a concern is that they're walking into even before they touch the actual squad to manage from day one in terms of those issues that are surrounding that piece. Well, you're losing your captain and, and probably the, the greatest ever player to play for the club in one foul swoop. Now, I don't know personally how much influence Hugo has over that squad. Uh, we obviously saw bits from all or nothing, but, um, you know, he is a, a, a big character in the dressing room. That's for sure. I think his time is up. So, obviously, it, it will be interesting to see who he's replaced with. But I think that dressing room needs characters and leaders. And to lose your talisman would be devastating. Now, from Kane's perspective, is he 47 goals behind Shearer's record? Is that right? 213 Premier League goals. Yep. So it's a conundrum. But you just do not say no to Real Madrid. Now, whether the, that Daniel Levy and Enoch and, and whoever makes these decisions with Levy... Uh, can negotiate a deal with Real Madrid. They've always said that if they were to sell Kane, they'd prefer to sell him abroad, which I understand. I totally get that. But I think he can't say no to Real Madrid. If he is their number one target uh, as a centre-forward, he has to go, simply. Um, the, the record, 47 goals. I don't buy into this, you know, that, that that outweighs any other achievements because if he goes to Real Madrid, they always win the Champions League or, or you know, every one to two to three years, they're always competing. They're always there. He can go live in Madrid, experience something new, play for the biggest and, and, and greatest football club in the world um, and win everything. You know, he can go there and, and compete for the Champions League every season, playing with some unbelievable players. They're going to sign Jude Bellingham. Uh, they'll go again. You know, they've, they've been heavily outclassed by Barcelona this season in, in the Liga. They're absolutely miles off it. They just scraped into finishing second, I think. Atletico at one point were second during the game because they were, they were winning at Villarreal. But uh, they're going for a rebuild. They're going to spend lots of money. And I, I wouldn't blame him. It, for me, even if he handed in a transfer request and he, he sort of forced his way out, for me, it would not tarnish his legacy um, because he's been a great servant for this club. And moving to this game-changing stadium where we could compete with the big clubs and we, we had that sort of era of Pochettino where we did compete, to not build a team around him capable of challenging. I mean, in, in a team that's finished eighth, he scored 30 Premier League goals this season, scored in, is it 24 different games, Lee, or 26? 26. Uh, 26, 26, 26, 26, which 26. is a record, 26. broken a yep. Premier League away, away goals record. Um, another season of 30, it's, it's, it's insane, the numbers this guy puts up. 
and everything runs through him in the team. It's you know the, the, the way he drops and he starts the attacks is so integral to this side. So if we are going to lose him, we, we rip it up and start again. I totally get that. We're just going to have to suffer it and stomach it. It's going to be a hard one to take, but you cannot blame him, Rick. You can't. No. And and it would be for me, it'd be more of a bitter pill to swallow if he went to another Premier League club and we had to watch him week in week out. Um, scoring against us and, and and that sort of stuff that that would be hard to take. But good luck to him if he decides to go to Real Madrid. It's the biggest club in the world. He's he's earned that move. Um, he's a special player, special talent. But Postacoglu to to come in, you know, he'd be left with Rich Charleston as his sole number nine. So we'd have to get another one in. And um, I, I don't know. I mean, he'd obviously prefer to keep him. I understand that there's been issues with Kane in the sense that he, he he doesn't press anymore. I get that. One thing I did notice what Mason was trying to do for the last couple of games, which goes back to Rick's point, which maybe I was a little bit harsh on, is he was, of the, the, the four that would press or the three that would press, he was the one that was withdrawn. So he'd sort of drop off and allow others to press. There'd be sort of a third man running from midfield who would go and make the press on his behalf almost, and he'd stay a bit deeper. So you can, you can negotiate that with a player of that quality and class. But um, yeah, it's a nightmare. I mean, to, to, to have a new manager with, with no director of football at the moment, no manager as of now, Real Madrid circling your best player, your captain's leaving, publicly stated he wants to leave. Enon Bele's won Serie A this season. Toby Alderweireld's just won the Belgian League this season. Um, and who else is... Uh, Eric Lamella and Brian Hill have won the Europa League. It's... Carter Vickers, triple winners. Carter Vickers, yeah, the treble winners at Celtic. Yeah, it's been such a tough season, Rick, with all that's gone on. So to lose Kane for any new manager, that is a, that's a nightmare start. You're starting up, you know, you, it's an uphill start, isn't it? I, I it just is. think, I just think for anybody coming in, it almost feels like the impossible job. I mean, JC's referred to the fact that he's been used to dealing with a lot of difficult situations in terms of management so far. I mean, look, he's at an age where you think he's seen a lot. I mean, I think the one thing obviously he doesn't have is European experience, but I think Lee is making the point that forget maybe about the CV and what he's achieved and what he's done actually look at the situation he's coming into. And I just wonder, you know, apparently he's, from what we read, he's already given Spurs his word that he's going to agree to come. I just wonder with that in mind, whether he's already of the knowledge that he could potentially lose Harry Kane. He'll know I, that, I, I Rick. Just, I, I, he'll he'll, he'll yeah. be aware of everything that's going on. He'll be in close contact with Munn. And I think that now, sorry, Jason, I'll just quickly say one thing. Whoever comes in now, for the next two to three seasons, the most important thing for this football club is recruitment. We have to get it right. It's been mm. too, It's been so wrong for so long. We have to get the recruitment right. What do you think on that, Jace? that situation that he comes in to maybe find himself in? Club captain looking to go, striker being circled by Real Madrid? Overall, overall, I don't think it's 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 such a negative for him as, as perhaps... We, we all say it needs a total rebuild. It needs a change in mentality. Kane, Hugo and that have been there for, for so long, have had so many near misses. And I and I think Harry's presence is so large over the over the club that if we go into next season and Harry's there, it's still gonna be every interview, isn't it? It's is he staying? Is he staying? Do you think you can convince him? And it, sometimes you think, do you know what? If I need a clean slate and I need a really clean slate, so the players committee that we were we condemned uh, the, the players committee met about Conte and things. And Kane and Hugo and that are on that committee. Maybe it would be easier for Ange to impart his ways 
on a on a on, on a fresh group, if you like, without that 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 presence of Kane and such, and without thinking, well, it's it's the poster boy of the club. I'd like to do this, but I can't upset him, and I can't if we're trying to get him to sign an extension. I I can't leave him out to try and do. You know what I mean? So it it actually might work in his favour. The, the, the lack of quality or whatever will obviously be a will be a loss, but I think overall he might actually find it a little bit easier to impart his way. We we saw that, didn't we, with Poch when he when he tried to do it and he had to leave out the Capoos, the Lennons, the Soldados, the, the Adibos, that yeah. type of group. And I'm not saying Harry's a disruptive influence in that way, but he might find that if the captain and the vice captain's gone and he can he can go and get who he wants and put them in as the number one without thinking, oh, that might upset H and things like that. It, it might actually work in his favour to, to get his ideas across much, much quicker. Do you share Jason's views there in relation to that situation? Larice coming out and saying we've reached an important moment, whether it'll be the club or me. It's the end of an era. I have a desire for something else. I will carefully study what is possible. However, I've forgotten that I have a year left on my contract here and in football, it's always hard to predict what will happen. I think what you want when a new manager comes in is you just want a clear focus and a clear mind. And unfortunately for, for Ange Postacoglu, he might not have that. He's got his club captain saying he wants away. We've got the situation around Harry Kane yet again with a manager, which Nuno had to go with. And we can't forget how that did, let's be honest about it, over-impede press conferences from day one on Nuno's first day in the job. Yeah. So how does he navigate this, Lee, for a man that says he's got a lot of experience and ultimately he's always faced every challenge that he's had head on? This what comes back down to the very top of the club and who is running and pulling the strings. Because for me, if you employ me, at, say I'm Ange, and thank goodness for all of you Spurs fans out there that it's definitely not going to be managing the football club, right? But if I come into a new team or if I'm the manager and I've got to have these conversations, I'm sitting down with every single player individually and I'm saying, do you want a beer? What, what do you want? Do you want a beer? Are you motivated and incentivized to be here? And if the, if the answer is no, or if there is, yeah, but, you know, like Hugo's coming out and saying, they're gone. I don't care who they are, or what they're on, or what their contracts are. They then get passed to the uh, to the to the recruit the the, the, the people that would be the Scott Munns, the director of football. Say, right, you need to get this player out of the football club because this is why we're not together. This is why we're not pulling in the right direction. That might sound ridiculous, and again, a lot of people won't won't agree with me. But this is how you build elite teams. I'm telling you now, this is how it's happening. So this is what I would do, and I would sit down with Harry. And I would say to him, I'd ask him, and if, oh, you know what, I, I did really want to move to Man City, and do you know what, Real Madrid are in for me. Like Frankie said, if you if Real Madrid are in for you, you can't say no. If there's a little, an element of doubt that you don't want to be here, you need to transfer him. You need to get him out of the football club because there'll be people like Sonny that will come into that room and say to me as the manager, and I say to Sonny, Sonny, do you want to be? And they go, yeah, 100%. I'll, oh, one million percent, I'm giving everything for this club. I want to be here. Or it might be, uh, Poro, somebody put on the uh, on the on the um, comments earlier. Poro forced move to come to Tottenham. Like there will be players in that squad, in that team that want to play for Tottenham Hotspur full on. I'm not having a go at Harry at all. I totally agree with what Frank said. It is about him 
being granted where, where he needs to be and whatever. But so many times we've chased the golden goose. So many times we've gone, yeah, but one more year, Gareth, please. Or, oh, yeah, oh, please, let's not let's not sit. Carrick, oh, please stay Carrick. Oh, please stay Berbatov. Oh, please don't go to Liverpool Keane. Oh, don't go to Portsmouth Defoe. Where does it get you? It gets you nowhere. Because Tottenham Hotspur Football Club are Tottenham Hotspur Football Club. And look, I think the best possible thing for me as a fan, not looking at it the way I would handle it, but as a fan, I think obviously the best possible thing uh, for, for football club would be for Harry Kane to stay. But if he generally wants to go, I think the, the scenario should be that we let we we sign a contract with Real Madrid that we get the first refusal back on Harry Kane or we get a buyback clause in there and he cannot play for another Premier League club. We let him go and we let him go for a decent fee for Real Madrid. It's BS coming out that Daniel Levy wants 200 million for him. Are you having a laugh? Like John, one of our own, Lily White Rose, pointed out to me on WhatsApp earlier, he's only got a year left in his contract. He can talk to Real Madrid in six months. They're not going to pay 200 million for him. So instead of pricing it out the market, Mr. Levy, let's let's get something that is that is suitable for Kane, grant him what he needs and what he wants, get Real Madrid on side, but make sure that we've done the deal that we can have him back. So he comes back, and like Frank said earlier, he can then beat the record. The record is our record. It's not just Harry's. It's ours as fans. We 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 own that record as well. Do you see what I think? I said this on the last show, and it's so weird. I don't want to see Harry Kane break that record in a Man United shirt, on a Man City shirt, on a Newcastle shirt. It's our record. He needs to break it in Tottenham shirt, and he's and he's young enough. I don't bowl this rubbish. Oh, he's, he's turning 30. He's getting on a bit. He's in prime of his years. This bloke will play football till he's 35, 36. Benzema's leaving Real Madrid after won the Champions League last year. How old is he? He's 37. Like, you're deluded if you think Kane's just going to drop off like in, in a year. He's got bags of football left. And I put, oh, he's injured all the time. Yeah, is that what you're saying in the comments? He hasn't, had, he hasn't missed three Premier League games on the trot since 2018. It's a myth. He's completely changed his ankle injuries and his, his, his uh, leg injuries and all that sort of stuff, hip injuries, whatever it was. So I think, I think for me, that's what, how I would handle it if I was a manager. I would hand, and I think seeing all the Celtic fans in here and commenting on, on, on Ange, I think Ange has got that, that job to come in and do. And, you know, you've got to trim your squad down. Like I think we said it, Rick, last time. It's 37 registered first-team players in his squad. And, and people are banging on about transfers. Like, you are... Again, I'm sorry, I'm not sticking up for the club. I'm not sticking up for Daniel Levy spending money or not spending money. You're deluded if you think that you can just buy more players in when you've got a squad of 37. Like you have to you have to cut your cloth around what you've currently got. £230 million worth of talent out on loan. And we're, we're putting stories up about, oh, let's go and sign five new players. We don't need five new players yet. We need to get them out of the door, as Frankie said right at the beginning. Like We need to sort out that... that, 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 that um, uh, regeneration of players. Do you see where I'm coming from? The last big name at this football club is 2017, and it's Carl Walker. Yep. So do you know what I mean? Like we've we've gone from we always sell, we're a selling club to we never sell anything, and now we can't even get rid of players. So that needs to change. And I think if that that part of that is Kane. My only wish as a fan would be that if he does go, it's done quickly, so we don't have all of this malarkey like we had last time around, and it's overshadowing everything else. He doesn't go to another Premier League club and he does go to Real Madrid. That's the best outcome for us fans and that we get him back. And let's be honest about it. We did it eventually in the end. We did get Bale back as well. And he had a swan song, a bit of a swan song with us as well. If we could get Harry Kane back for a couple of seasons after he's, you know, gone off and done his, um, let's call it a sabbatical, shall we, from Spurs. I think the problem with all of that, of course, is what does that say to your teammates? Do you know what? 
I know I ain't going to win nothing here, so I'm going to bugger off to the best team in the world. I'm going to win a few bits and bobs with you. And then when I come back, I'll be just lauded and I'll come and break the record for my... It's not a great look, is it? So in an ideal world, nothing's an ideal world, is it, Rick? If Ange is, is in, then we have to get behind him. He's got to start knowing, putting his stamp down, who he wants, who he doesn't want. And we've got to go from there. Uh, the transfer window opens in a couple of weeks or next week. So it's got to start. J- June the 14th has to start now, uh, not, you know, uh, transfer deadline day. And as Lee said, if Kane, if Kane is to go to Real Madrid, get it done early so we can move on and, and wish him all the best. If I was to make a prediction, I honestly think if Real Madrid make a concrete offer, of around sort of 70, 80 million. I think Harry Kane would want to go. I truly believe that. Again, what player has turned down Real Madrid? All the big players, the Galactico era, you don't turn down Real Madrid. So I think Ange will be the manager. I think Kane possibly will go. And if that's the case, as Ant said, and it has to be, if we're going to do it and we're going to make these wholesale changes, do it early, get the, 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 the players that don't want to be there out the door early, identify some of the targets. We're not going to sign five or six players, but the two or three that perhaps we sign, identify who they're going to be early. And I'd also like to see, just to add in there, whoever is the next manager, I'd like to go back to the days of having a, the academy players having a pathway to the first team because we've, we've come so far removed from that. And I think that that is something that has to be addressed. If they're not good enough, then obviously and there's issues in the academy. I don't think there is. For me, there's some good good young players. That's another conversation for another day. But there are some good young players coming through. But I want the new manager to, to implement a pathway for the for the youth players, clear the deadwood early, um, echoing what Lee said, find out who wants to be there and who doesn't want to be there. And unfortunately, if Kane doesn't want to be there and he wants to go, Tottenham Hotspur Football Club, move on. Yeah. Frank, been a pleasure, mate. Thank you so much for your time. I know it's been difficult this season with work commitment, so we really appreciate you jumping back on. Been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. Rick, let's come to you. Thanks. It's going to be a busy, busy last, well, busy, busy next few weeks for Spurs in store. Bless you, you've given so much of your time to last one on Spurs over these years. We're in for yet another crazy journey on this show with what's to come. Rick, what do you think is to come in these next couple of weeks for Tottenham? And of course, what the summer holds for us. It's going to be a summer of change. It's going to be a summer of change. As Hugo said, it's going to be end of eras and and hopefully it's a summer of positive change. Hopefully we can go in the new new direction. Hopefully we can shed the skin that we've had on our backs for the last four seasons under different styled managers. And hopefully we can actually come out of this and, and just look a better version of us and we can see ourselves moving forward not just win every game of course we all want to win every game but actually moving forward competing going for things going for in the cup competitions you know you know and with a clear week hopefully we can start playing more of our first teamers uh, where it's all in the country as well where it's all in the uk the domestic cups and the league we don't have to travel nowhere so hopefully the injuries are lower and you can well, actually we might get like swansea away that's overseas <laughs> that's true that's true. That's true. Sorry, Jace. Sorry, mate. But I think um, with, with Kane and, and Postacoglu, um, I think it's going to be important, and I don't want to upset Frankie, but I think it's going to be important that Mason sticks around. I know Mason's got a few offers on the table. I know it'd be great for him to go out there and cut his teeth at another um, side and kind of prove himself as a manager. But I think uh, not only his friendship, but I think he does have respect amongst the squad which, who is still there. And I think if um, Ange Adam is his number two, I think that would help a lot. You know, if 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 Kane wanted to stay and he does end up staying, I think having Mason beside him will encourage him a little bit because he 
he knows if it all goes up in the air, then at least there's somebody there that the boys trust and he trusts. Do you know what I mean? So I think um, if Mason was to stick around and to kind of continue his development with uh, Ange, then I think that maybe that could be positive for the for the ones that we want to keep. Ricks, thank you so much, mate. We're in for yet another bumpy ride, and you've been a massive part of hearing last one, Spurs, mate. Thank you so much. Always a pleasure, mate, Thanks to have you always on. Always having me, man. Always no, mate. an honour and a pleasure, my friend. Always and likewise, Ricks, the same. Jace, let's come around to you to close this. I've been saying we're in for a busy next couple of weeks. The appointment and then what happens, of course, in the opening of the window and how we deal with that, both with the manager and whoever that director of football is. Do you have a prediction, Jason, how this is all going to work out and manifest itself ahead of the start of the season? Or is that looking too far ahead? I mean, we, we don't know yet what, what job he's being brought in to do. As, as the boys have said, is he brought in to, to still get top four? Is he brought in just to to re-energise the squad and, and start a genuine transition. You have no idea. And we have no idea how, how other teams will play out. So I'm certainly not going to sit here and, and and put targets and things like that for him, other than the fact we will definitely finish above Brighton next year. But um, and I'm, I'm, we'll finish above Brighton and Villa next year, put it that way. And I think we'll finish above Newcastle next year. But Genuinely, um, genuinely believe that, yeah? yeah? Is that yeah, with, yeah. With, or, with or without Harry Kane? Yeah, yeah, but but that may be because they fall backwards. You know, none of those three teams have had any European football in midweeks or anything like that. And they haven't got squad. You've just seen at the end of the season where Brighton had Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday. Up, lose 5-1 at Everton, win the next game, lose by four, up the next. You know, and they will have to embrace Europe. They're not going into Europe to make the numbers up. Teams like Brighton and Villa will have to embrace Europe. They'll have to play their best side and things. You saw how that happened with West Ham, who in fairness had that real run to that Europa uh, semi-final, didn't they, when they lost to Frankfurt. Look at their league form, totally collapsed. So, um, and Newcastle being in the Champions League. And I, I still don't think Newcastle will attract eight or nine top-class players to be able to compete on both fronts. So, I, I see us finishing above those three next year. Partly, as I say, because... But they won't have anywhere near as good a season. And we, we finished two points behind Brighton and we were dog shit all season. So, you know, let's, let's be honest. And we doubled Brighton. So, you know, we haven't finished 25 points behind Brighton. So we'll just have to see how the summer plays out, mate. It's, it's England-Australia in the summer anyway. The cricket's on, the golf's on, the volleyball's on. I mean, why are you worried about Poster Coglu? Just let me enjoy the other sports. Let me enjoy the pre-season friendly in Bangkok. And then I'll start to, <laughs> to worry about it. I mean, one, of the best, one of the best things about Europe is I can cancel the BT subscription. So there I am. And I've got Wimbledon, Jace. And Wimbledon. We're going to call you in the other day, don't worry. Honestly. Oh, Jason, 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 what's to come? Guys, thank you ever so much. It's going to prove to be a busy, busy summer in store. Frank, thank you so much. Really, really appreciate you coming back on. My pleasure, Rick. Thank you. And uh, I look forward to being back on next season, but hopefully with uh, more positive uh, things to talk about Spurs related. Absolutely. And uh, Rick, for your sins, bless you. I know you've been doing a lot of midweeks for us. It might just be the domestic cups, my friend. And unfortunately, no European action for the season. How does that sound? No worries, brother. No worries. Win, lose or draw, come on you Spurs. And brighter days ahead, man. This is the, this is going to be the sea of change. Let's bloody oh, well out anyway. Come Isn't on. 
Jason is going to have a good bit of time off. He's got this, he has got the uh, lots of other activity sports to get into, so we'll be having a little bit of a break. We might catch him when he's in Bangkok for his sins. You want to see Carl make it up, Lee? You were one of the first, or you say the first, out there to link us to the man. It looks like he's going to be the new manager. It's fair to say we've got a lot, a lot of Spurs content coming our way, haven't we, really? Mate, can't wait to, to be with you on it, buddy, mate. It's going to be a mad summer. We're going to be linked with absolutely everything and everyone and probably sign no one, uh, which is normal in the, in the Spurs transfer window, let's be honest. Um, I think there is, you know, the, this is a is a, is a changing time uh, for sure. You know, many still want the board changed, um, uh, you know, and, and out. Um, and that hasn't gone away. I think that, you know, whilst we're working on tr making that happen or they're working on making it happen, or if there's a bio, you know, you mentioned at the beginning before that there was the, the Iranian guy that was muted and then K uh, QSI, is it QSI that was muted as well? And all of them links have gone away. So I'm sure they'll be back as well. You've got Kane, you've got no women's manager, you've got no actual manager today. There's no director of football. It's, it's a huge, huge job. But all we can do is talk about where we are, if, if Ange comes into the into the building and he starts to put smiles on people's faces, this is so basic stuff. But if you start putting smiles on people's faces that work around you, if you start putting smiles on people's faces that work with you, above you, below you, you watch their performance levels change, productivity changes. It's just it's so basic. And I think this is this guy has got them the, the you know the basis of end credentials. Let's see what happens. You've got to get behind the guy if. If it's not your choice or if it is your choice, it doesn't matter. If he is the manager, we have to get behind him. And, and I'll be singing his name and getting behind him um, as when we go back to the to, to the team. It's hope, hopefully it works. Yeah, I agree. Well, listen, from Ant, from Frank, from Jace, from Ricks, from Lee, we've been the last one on Spurs. We'll be back with you in due course of what is to come. But as always, thank you so much for all of your incredible support this evening and throughout the summer and before that. All you wonderful viewers, loyal listeners out there, thank you so much. We're back with you soon. From all of us here, please keep well, keep safe, and as always, come on, you Spurs. Our main focus you know, comes from North London. Tottenham up against Southampton. Right There's so much optimism around the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium right now. They've already got superstars, the likes of Son, the likes of Kane. You know, They've added with some stellar names over the summer. You're slowing down. I can hear your footsteps driving out. We're burning out. We're burning down. Oh, the air. We're burning
last 10 minutes, I think uh, we, we can do we can do much better. that there is the owner and never won something. But why? You try to find alibi and an excuse for, for, for the players. Okay, continue. Until now, I tried to hide the situation, but now, no. I wanna take you somewhere, so you know I care. But it's so cold and I don't know where. I brought you daffodils and a pretty string But they won't flower like the flowers spring And I wanna kiss you so tired And that might take off the shackles I wanna cry and I wanna love through my tears Goal number 265 in a Tottenham shirt. So what's it? On 
because it's time to change the situation if Tottenham wants to change. If they want to continue in this way, they can, they can change manager, a lot of manager, but the situation cannot change. Believe me. Thank you very much. Sports Social Podcast Network.